Amen. What a day, what a day, what a day that will be. We're glad to have you here with us this morning in person. Glad to have those of you who have joined us online, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Be sure to, to like, to heart, to share. Follow us there on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, click that notification bell. That way you'll always get those live. Uh, when we go live, you'll get that notification. And then welcome also to our phone live streaming uh, individuals who are listening there. Uh, we have people who listen every Sunday on our phone live streaming. So uh, welcome to you also. Uh, we want to encourage you, if you have access to the church website, to go to Highland baptistchurch.com. Uh, if you're in person, uh, you can find the bulletins at the doors as you came in. You can find them in the windowsills here uh, to my right and to my left, but you can find them under the info tab online there uh, under highlandbaptistchurch.com. You can find the worship bulletins for the children. Uh, they are in the windowsill over here to my right if you need those. Uh, there's one for ages seven and up, one for ages three and up, so be sure to grab uh, one of those. Send that link to other people. Uh, it's just another way that you can uh, invite people to come to church, invite people to join us uh, even there online and then also under that info tab uh, you're gonna find the prayer list for this week so be sure to get that uh, downloaded so you can be praying for individuals throughout this week uh, the copies of these are out on the table out here across from the offices in the magazine racks there uh, you can get a paper copy of that prayer list if you need that in, in person so just want to say again welcome if you're one of our visitors our first-time guests uh, be sure to pick up one of the bags at the sides of the stage or at the doors uh, as you leave it's got some things in it that we just want to say welcome uh, glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, it's got some things about our church. It's got some gifts in there for you. Uh, and it's just our way of saying thank you for being here this morning. So be sure to pick that up uh, before you leave today. So Brother Mike, come and lead us if you will. Must be in Southern California because yes. that's just a tad of Southern gospel right there in that last song. Everybody stand up with us and sing, join the choir, and we're going to do all five verses, Tommy, of He Keeps Me Singing. Ladies. <clears throat> There's a
Amen. I don't know about you, but when we used to sing that song growing up, we added a few more words uh, in there. Uh, I saw some people in the choir that were doing uh, that. want to remember our missionaries of the week. Uh, you'll find those in your bulletin uh, this morning. It's Patrick and Jennifer Grant. They are serving in Oregon. It's estimated that 85% of Portland, Oregon are lost. Uh, the city has only one Southern Baptist church for every 26,000 people. That'd be like only having one, uh, one Southern Baptist church here in Tullahoma. Uh, and so uh, they are seeking through all kinds of community outreaches. One of them is uh, a laundry love ministry. Uh, there's two days of the month that they offer to do loads of laundry for people. They're offering kids camps in the parks, uh, soccer, soccer camps, back to school uh, bashes and things like that as outreaches uh, to reach out to the people. So we want to pray for them this morning, especially that God would use those outreach efforts of the grants there at Woodstock Community Church in Portland, Oregon to help them uh, to build a gospel-centered relationships with the community and to continue to see God's kingdom grow. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for Patrick and Jennifer Grant and all of our missionaries. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning. What a blessed day this is to come into your presence to worship you. And Father, we know that all throughout the week we have all kinds of issues that crop up into our lives, problems sometimes, and burdens that weigh us down. And Father, I pray this morning that if there are anything in our heart and our life that is uh, a burden to us, may we come and lay it at the foot of the cross. And Lord, may you lift it off of us and, and give us a peace that passes all understanding. Father, we pray that if there's any sin in our heart, that you would shine the light of the truth of your word into our lives, that we might confess those sins before you, that you would hear our prayers and answer from on high in a powerful way. May our prayers be effectual and fervent. And so, Father, as we come to you on behalf of Patrick and Jennifer Grant and so many of our missionaries around uh, the nation and the world, we pray, Lord, for them, especially in Portland, Oregon, and their outreach efforts there to the community, that you will just continue to build gospel-centered relationships with the people uh, as they seek to minister to them. I pray you'll give them opportunities to share the gospel, but also to disciple those believers and to grow uh, a kingdom church. And Father, I pray that you will bless them in their work there and, and planting churches there uh, in Portland, Oregon. We pray for all of our missionaries and ask that you'll provide for their every need, uh, that you'll protect them and you'll keep them safe in your arms and that you would bless us, Lord, by one thing, reminding us to pray for uh, these missionaries all throughout the week, but also blessing us financially that as we give to our tithes and offerings each Sunday, uh, Lord, that those offerings, also a percentage of that goes to support missionaries every single Sunday. Uh, so, Father, bless us that we might be a blessing to them through our tithes and offerings. And, Lord, bless us this morning as we come to worship you. Lord, we just pray that you'll help us to put aside all those cares and distractions to place them in your hands. And, Lord, for you to speak to our hearts this morning, may your presence be with us. May your grace and your mercy shower us. And, Lord, may you uh, speak to us in a powerful way through the word in song and the word in the Scripture this morning. And we just ask your blessings on this service. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, let me just remind you, too, you can do your offerings. Uh, those are not in the pews or the chairs in front of you. Uh, they are in the windowsill, so be sure to grab your offering envelope that you can put those in the plate. You can also do that online at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Just go to the far right-hand side, 
click that Get Online tab, real easy platform there that you can set up to do that with also. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. One other thing that I just want to mention in the way of announcements, we have Journey magazines uh, that, that we do get for the ladies, but we just recently started getting the Stand Firm magazines for the men. There are some on the sides here at the stage and I think on the tables uh, out this way. So I don't know if maybe that way, but I know at least this way they are. So be sure to grab one of those men. Uh, it's got some devotional things in there that are geared specifically towards you, but just wanted to make sure you're aware of that as they're on the stage and back here in the hallway too. So brother Mike. John 15, five says, without me, you can do nothing. So we need to put our whole life in line with dependence on Christ because we do need him every hour. Join us as we sing 450, I need thee every hour.
I hope you all were breathing because there's not a whole lot of room in that song to breathe. Take your hymnals now and uh, join us and stand and join us as we sing Be Strong in the Lord 476. Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side. So stand, be strong in the Lord. <coughs> Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn once again to John chapter 16. This is our last message in John 16, and then we'll be into John 17 and that great prayer that Jesus prays. Uh, and so I want to encourage you uh, that God wants to encourage you this morning that in times like these that we live in, in times that will be worse than these, 
that we live in. God is there for you and has made a way for you to be in a right relationship with him. And so John chapter 16, we're going to begin with verse 25 down through the beginning of verse 27. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. John 16, verse 25. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. And we ask, Lord, a blessing on your word. We pray that it will speak truth into our hearts, that it will encourage us as believers, Lord, to know that in the most difficult of times that we face, uh, we have a source of strength. We have one uh, who will help us through uh, to the other side. And Father, I pray this morning for those who are here who may not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, that this, Lord, would be the day of salvation for them, that they would hear the gospel message that you love them so much that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus to down the cross for them. And so, Father, may they begin that relationship with you here today or maybe there online. So bless this message. Use it in your way, Lord, to bring about your will and your perfect way in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. The year was 1944, and Miss Ruth Jones, a pastor's wife in Pennsylvania, was distressed by the headlines of her Pittsburgh newspaper. Every day, she was greeted by the casualty list from World War II and by the stories of the slow, painful progress of the Allied forces in Europe. With war that was uh, abroad and rationing that was happening uh, at home here, this mother of five was under an intense strain. And this particular morning, her Bible uh, was open to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And Miss Jones read in verse 1 that in the last days, perilous times will come. It was at that moment that lyrics began to come, uh, composing themselves on the pad as she wrote. And a tune emerged in her mind that she later realized was inspired by the melody of the chimes on her clock. The melody and the lyric were soon joined together in what would become one of the most popular hymns of the 1940s and the 1950s that went like this, and you may know it. In times like these you need a Savior. In times like these you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure Your anchor holds and grips a solid rock In times like these you need the Bible In times like these Oh, be not idle Be very sure, 
Be very sure your anchor holds and grips a solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips a solid rock. What a powerful song that the Lord spoke through Miss Ruth Jones, who wrote that, that we sing so often. You know, it's doubtful today that many of us are, are, are in danger or worried even about an encroaching army uh, of some foreign war, but it may be that your marriage is killing you. You probably aren't facing some Nazi attack like was happening then, but you may be in a hand-to-hand -hand spiritual combat uh, at your job. Uh, you probably aren't worried about the casualty list in the morning paper, but the doctor's report may be just as fearful to you. In either case, these words of Jesus that we're going to read, that we've just read part of here, can help you face those kinds of times and, and all kinds of other situations that you may face in this life. In the close here of John chapter 16, we're, we're only about an hour or so from Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet Jesus closes this great farewell discourse to his disciples with some words of peace and comfort. Now, the Holy Spirit would later bring these words to their minds to help them navigate the challenges of the first century persecution that they would face. But, and by divine inspiration, these apostles, these disciples, ultimately would put these words here into our hands in the Gospels here that we have today. And I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will help us to get these words off of this page and into our hearts so just like it helped them, it will help us to face times like these. Here are several things you want to get from this passage that we're looking at this morning uh, in verse uh, 25 down through verse 33. We need to learn, first of all, that Jesus brings clarity in times of confusion. He brings clarity in times of confusion. That's what we see here in verse 25 through verse 27 again. So uh, look back at those words with me again. He says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. So the things he's been talking about prior to this, he's been giving some figures of speech there. Remember, he talked about the woman uh, giving birth. Uh, he, he talked about that in a, in a figure of speech there to encourage them. He talked about a, in a little while he was going to be gone. And he was using these analogies here to speak this truth into their hearts that he was getting ready to leave and he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So he says, I was speaking in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. And so when we look at those verses there, uh, there's some things we see here uh, about clarity here. Uh, you know, bad eyesight can be a terrible thing. I mean, think about it. Have you ever been texting someone and then you realize, oops, I sent the wrong message? Or maybe you sent it to the wrong person or you said the wrong things or, or it just corrected, auto-corrected something you didn't even mean to say and you didn't catch it when you were looking at it. 
you know, sometimes it's, oops, I've already sent it. Uh, thank goodness they've added an edit feature there that you can go back and edit some of those things. Uh, but, and sometimes when I do it, I'm like, how in the world did it get that out of what I said? Because usually I do speech to text. I can't do as fast as the kids do. I, I speak to text, and that gets me there quicker. It's kind of like the man, though, who uh, sent his wife uh, a text, uh, and she had, uh, th this, this wife had texted him that she had taken uh, one of the kids, or taken the kids to the, uh, to the hospital. That's what he thought it said. But she had actually said she had taken them to Huddle House. Uh, he just saw it wrong. You know, that's a big difference. I, I love the, the story of the, the old couple who had been married for 60 years, and the old man said, for 60 years... You've been tried and true. And the woman yelled, huh? And the old man, he spoke a little louder, and he said, for 60 years, you've been tried and true. And the woman, she said, speak up. You know that's my bad ear. And he screamed, for 60 years, you've been tried and true. And the woman yelled, well, that makes two of us. I'm about sick and tired of you too. <laughs> it's bad when your eyesight goes, and it's bad when your hearing goes. It's bad enough not to see clearly and to hear clearly uh, with our ears, but sometimes in our heart, we don't even sense what the Spirit is speaking plainly to us. When we see here Jesus using this phrase, figures of speech, one writer said it this way, that that means a dark saying that requires hard thinking to get through to the truths being expressed. And so who could really blame the disciples at this point? I mean, they really don't understand this talk about death and resurrection. That's what they've told Jesus all along so far. We don't understand. We don't know. Uh, we see the divine revelation from God in verse 25 here, though. Uh, this is talking about the coming of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. And the Spirit is going to come at Pentecost, and the, the Scriptures are going to be giving. Occasionally, God has spoken through a burning bush or a, a talking donkey, as you see in the Old Testament, or an angelic messenger, but those are unusual means. The primary way of knowing God's will is by studying what He's already revealed to you in the Scriptures. And, and by allowing the Holy Spirit to, to make those truths alive in our hearts uh, and in our lives. This is just one of the reasons you ought to be in a small group. You ought to be in Sunday school because that's where you, you get to ask questions. I mean, this is more of a, a lecture type setting here. This isn't a question and answer type setting. You get that in the Sunday school classes. And I'd encourage you, if you're not in a Sunday school class yet, get involved in one. If you're a Sunday school teacher here this morning, would you just stand for just a moment? We want people to see who you are. Seek these people out. Find out what kind of class they're teaching. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. God wants to use and is using these individuals uh, in our church. Uh, go to one of those Sunday school classes. Uh, there are some things you'll learn there, and I encourage you uh, to get involved in, in Sunday school. That's why you need to be in it. That's why you need to be in worship. Uh, understand, God is not going to tell us something uh, different than what's already in His Word. Uh, when you're wondering if you've heard something or sent something that God may speak to you, and, and sense that uh, you can take that suspicious message and you can take it and compare it to the Word of God, to the known message there, and the Holy Spirit uh, will begin to lead you to be and show you, is that consistent? 
with what God's Word uh, has to say. So if you're seeking God's direction, you're seeking God's will, what should I do in this situation? What should I do in that situation? He's never going to tell you to do something that's contrary to what His Word already tells you to do or not to do. Uh, he'll never lead anybody to violate the principles of God's Word. So, so understand this, the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't bipolar, He's not schizophrenic, He's not going to say one thing in the Word and something else in, in a private conversation. The Spirit of God isn't like a politician who's going to say one thing uh, but something else privately. He's not going to tell the whole church one thing and then tell you something else. We have the divine revelation from God, and that's what I encourage you, get into God's Word, get into Bible study, get into small groups, get into uh, Sunday school. But understand this also, that Sunday school teacher and myself included are no substitute for you having a direct relationship with God. You yourself have a direct relationship with God when you trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. That's what verse 26 and verse 27 goes on to say. Uh, when, when he says there, in that day you'll ask him my name, I do not say that I'll ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. You know, there are some religious systems that teach that you need a human mediator to access God. And even sometimes within the Baptist church, there are individuals who will come to me thinking, I have a better access to God than they do. I don't have any more direct access to God than you do. I'm not the mediator go-between between you and God, and I'll pray for you, and I'll gladly uplift you in prayer uh, before God. So feel free to come and ask me if you have a prayer need, you need something lifted up before the Lord. But you have as much direct access to God as I do. Uh, there is no mediator uh, of human uh, to give us access to God. I I'm glad that through the death and the burial and the resurrection, we don't need an earthly priest. We have an eternal priest. We don't need to go through uh, some supposed Father on earth. We can go to the Father who is in heaven. We don't need a dead saint when you've got a living Lord. You have the same access to God that, our ha that I have. And in our confusing seasons of life, understand that we can get clarity from the source. Now, the New Testament makes it clear that Jesus Christ is interceding for you. If you're a believer, you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is interceding on your behalf every single day, every single moment, every single second. He's interceding on your behalf. He's our mediator. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He's our intercessor, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 that says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus Christ has also the one who has reconciled us to the Father. Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 that says, For if, we were, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. Fanny Crosby uh, wrote the words of this song that says, Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things. He hath done. Jesus, at this moment, at the close of this discourse to his disciples, is preparing these disciples for life without him physically. 
Here he's preparing them for the reality that his death is going to allow them to have direct access to the Father. Because you remember what happened when he breathed his last and died on the cross. The veil in the temple was ripped in two from the top down to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top. Uh, from the bottom to the top would have represented man being able to tear it. From the top to the bottom was God who made direct access to himself. In fact, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. You know, sometimes when we're in the midst of difficult times, when we're in doubt, when we're confused, call on Jesus. Isaiah 30 and verse 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And when you hear that voice and it says, This is the way, walk in it, you want to ask yourself, which way is he, he telling me to walk? Is he telling me to do, is, is that voice I'm hearing telling me to do something that's contrary to God's word? If it is, that's not the Lord. That's the devil speaking to you. But if he's telling you what the word of God already confirms and shows and says, then that is the voice of the Lord speaking to your heart. He says, this is the way walking it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. The context in Isaiah 30 there is of a people who have strayed from God and they're coming back to him. The point is that no matter how far that you've strayed, no matter how much you may have sinned, if you'll repent and ask God what to do, he will talk to you by his word and by his spirit in your heart. You know, on our smart devices, uh, you can focus by tapping on the screen. Uh, as you're taking a picture, you can tap there. Well, the same thing happens in our life with Bible study and prayer. In times of confusion, Jesus brings clarity when we're in fellowship with him in his word and we're spending time in prayer. So if you need clarity and, and direction in your life, get on your knees before God. Get into the word of God, into his word, because Jesus brings clarity in times of confusion. But he also brings faith in times of failure. He brings faith in times of failure. Go on to verse 27 to the remaining part there, on down through verse 32. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. He, notice he goes on and he says, he says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world to go to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plainly and are not using figurative speech. Now we'll come back to that in just a moment. For 2,000 years, the denial of Jesus by Simon Peter has received a lot of attention, and rightly so, because of Peter's bold declaration of his commitment to Jesus. But understand that Simon Peter isn't the only one to fail the Lord that night. By sunrise this morning, after this evening in, in the garden, Judas will have delivered him, Peter will have denied him, and everyone except for John will have deserted him. In fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7 that says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand 
against the little ones. So before this night is over, the temple guards are going to arrest Jesus. The shepherd is going to be smitten, and the sheep are going to be scattered. But understand that we can't be too hard on these guys because we're just like them. And we know what it means to sing, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know, our hearts are so often prone to wander away from the Lord. You know, when our flesh comes calling, we've deserted him. When our pride and our agenda call, we've forsaken Christ. When there's been a choice uh, between pleasing Jesus and pleasing ourselves, we often choose the pathway of disobedience and desertion. But even in those moments of failure, our God is faithful. Why? Because of the love of his Father. That's what he's talking about in verse 27 and verse 28. Now, what he doesn't mean there is he doesn't mean that the Father loves them because they love Jesus in the sense that his love is a reaction to their love. Uh, in fact, he loved them before they loved him. Yeah, that's the way it is with us. He loved us before we loved him. First John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. First John four nineteen says, We love because he first loved us. We sing the song, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. And that's the, that's the truth there. St. Augustine, he, God, he said this, God would not have wrought in us something that he could love were it not that he loved us before he wrought it. When you feel like a failure in your life, keep this in mind. God did not look down through time and eternity and think, well, there's somebody who's got it all together. Boy, I could use them. Understand this, we are nothing. We are nothing but sinners apart from Jesus Christ. Someone says, I, I feel like such a failure uh, when I hear the Word of God preach. Well, that means you're listening, but it, it means you're not listening to the whole message because we're nothing. We are worthless sinners, but Christ, He is wonderful. God's not some talent scout who's, who's out there looking for a hot uh, new five-star recruit. He uses the weak. He uses the fallen. He uses the fragile. He uses the broken. So if you feel like you're a failure, then that ought to move you to the top of the list. Failure isn't final because of the great love of a great God. God is faithful towards us because of the love of the Father. But understand this, he's also uh, faithful to us in spite of us, in spite of us as his followers. Go on to verse 29. Verse 29, his disciples said, Ah, oh, now you are speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. We know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? He says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. 
So get what's happening here. After a brief discussion of the gospel in, in verses 27 and verse 28, the disciples here, they feel like, man, we're ready to graduate from the school of discipleship. We understand this stuff now. And that's why they say, oh, we get it now. All in about 12 short verses. In, in verse 18, they were saying, remember, we don't know what he's saying. And now in verse 30, they're saying, oh, okay, we've got it all figured out. Now you're speaking plainly. Now we understand. Understand this, it's not what people don't know that hurts them. It's all the stuff that they think they know that isn't so. It's not what they, that, they, that they believe something wrong. They believed, they really believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe everything about Jesus, that Jesus, all those things Jesus needed them to learn. They're like the person who says, well, well I'm saved, but I don't need to go to church. I, I know those Bible stories. I don't need to go to Sunday school. I know all about spiritual warfare. I don't need to pray. I know all about having a Christian family. You can't tell me anything new. These disciples, they would have yawned through the storm, slipped, during the, slipped out during the invitation, skipped the evening service, fallen flat on their face by morning, all the time wondering, how did that, why did that all happen? They thought in their own hearts they were further down the road than they really were. And the events of this night are going to reveal that their faith wasn't all that they thought it was cracked up to be. One writer said this about them. He said that their bold notion was premature and their faith, though genuine, was immature. You see, understand this. The problem with immature faith, the problem with premature faith, is that it will never be mature faith unless it's addressed. I mean, think about it. How about you? Do you think that God can use you because uh, they can't use you because you've blown it? Or do you think maybe on the other hand that you can't blow it because God's using you? So either one of those situations, understand you need Jesus. Jesus brings clarity in times of confusion. Jesus brings faith in times of failure. But then also notice that Jesus brings strength in times of struggle. Going down to verse 33. Verse 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What you see here in verse 33 is one of the most troubling yet tremendous promises of God. Here Jesus raises his voice and lowers the boom. In this world you will have tribulation. Understand that this morning. If you're here as a believer, Jesus is saying to you, in this world, you will have tribulation. Not a message anyone wants to hear. Things are going to be rough. Things are going to be hard for you as a believer. Job 14 verse 1 says this, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. God has promised a day that, that he's going to dry every tear, wipe away every tear, but we're not there at that day yet. God has promised that there's a place where there'll be no more trouble, but we're not at that place yet. One day we will be if you're in Christ. But here's what you can know in the meantime, that we can find comfort in his person, in who he is. 
Notice the beginning of verse 33 there again. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you have tribulation. Then he says this, but take heart. That phrase, take heart, or take courage, or be of good cheer, is a powerful phrase in the Greek. It's the Greek word tharseo. It only appears eight times in the New Testament. And every single one of those times is connected to the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2, it says... That behold, he was tell, is telling us the story there of, of a paralytic man who was brought uh, by some, some men who were friends of his. It says in verse 2, And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, Tharsea, uh, my son, your sins are forgiven. In Matthew 9 and verse 22, and in Luke chapter 8, to the woman who touched his robe who had the issue of blood, Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. That word take heart, tharseo. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 27, and in Mark chapter 6 and verse 50, remember he came walking to his disciples on the water. And it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, tharseo, it is I, do not be afraid. Mark chapter 10, verse 49, though, is the only time in the Bible records that anyone but Jesus spoke this phrase. You remember blind Bartimaeus, uh, who, who has been calling out for, for mercy from Jesus, and Jesus called to him to be brought, and the people said this in verse 49 of Mark chapter 10. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, Tharseo, get up, he is calling you. Jesus is calling for you. Understand this, if you're calling for help from Jesus, he says to you this morning, Tharseo, take heart, take courage, don't be afraid, be of good cheer. You know, the most interesting usage, though, of this word is found over in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 23 and verse 11, you remember Paul was on trial there before the Sanhedrin? And it's a fascinating story that ends with Paul being confined while 40 men there of the Sanhedrin have conspired against him that they're going to kill him in an ambush. I'd encourage you to go back and to read that whole story. But in Acts chapter 23 and verse 11, here's what it says. The following night after he's been on trial here before these people who are going to come and, and, and catch him and kill him by ambush, the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, Tharseo, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. See, what happened in that story is they had whispered their plot to the, to the chief priests and to the elders, and there was a little boy who overheard the plot. Of all the people in the land, do you know who that boy was? Paul's nephew. It was his sister's son. When word got back to Paul... He sent the boy to the chief of the guards, and the guard called for a Roman escort, 200 soldiers, 200 infantrymen with spears, 70 men on horseback, and a horse for Paul. And you get the picture here. Here are these, these 40 uh, Jewish leaders who have declared they're going to kill Paul in the morning. Meanwhile, 
During the third watch of the night, Paul gets escorted out of town riding literally on a first century limousine surrounded by nearly 500 of Rome's finest. As Paul rides away, some might have thought he was uh, spared by the Roman captain, but Paul knew better. Uh, there was a little word that was still ringing in his ear, spoken by a Galilean accent from a resurrected Messiah. Tharseo, take courage, be of good cheer. Paul may have even had that episode in mind when he got to Rome and wrote this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 33 goes on to say, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? God is saying to you this morning, doesn't matter where you are, if you, you, you've, you've fallen, you've, you feel like you're just so far away from God, He is saying to you this morning, Tharseo, take heart, be of good courage, call out to me, trust in me, repent and trust in me. And we find also that we can find courage in his power. Because notice what he goes on to say after the take heart. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Always remember that a promise is no better than the power of the one who made it. A promise is no better than the power of the one who made it. This entire book is written to help us rightly identify Jesus. John 20 verse 31 says, but these things are written here in the Gospel of John so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Understand this, if I tell you that people are going to kill you, but uh, be, be of good cheer, I'll take care of you, then you probably still need to worry. But if Jesus tells you that, you can take that to the bank. I mean, think about this. The one who made this promise to them and to us, he is the one that faced the power of hell head on in a skull-shaped hill. Watch him as he bears your sin in, the, in his body on the cross. Listen as he cries in agony and despair. Look as they place his lifeless body in an empty tomb, but don't leave too soon. Hang around till Sunday morning, when up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. See him standing in his resurrected glory, and keep in mind, that's the one who told you to be encouraged. Find courage in his power as we find strength in times of strife. Remember that Jesus brings clarity in times of confusion. He brings faith in times of failure. And he brings strength in times of struggle. You remember that lady I told you at the beginning about, Miss Ruth Jones, the pastor's wife, who wrote the song in times like these? Remember how she was troubled in the events of that day as she read 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, that said, in the last days, perilous times will come? That's why she wrote, in times like these, you need a Savior. Well, it's obviously that Miss Ruth Jones was also familiar with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 to verse 20. There the writer of Hebrews speaks of the finished work of Jesus. And here's what he says. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place 
behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. So Miss Jones, she concluded that great hymn that she wrote with another verse. What a tremendous refrain that she wrote. In times like these, I have a Savior. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips a solid rock. This rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure, I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips a solid rock. Let me ask you this morning as we close. In times like these, are you very sure? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful message that Jesus leaves his disciples with before he goes to the garden. The assurance that we can have in the promise that he has made. That no matter what the perilous times are that come around us, we can know, Lord, through the promise of your word, you are with us. And that you will lead us and you will guide us. You will not lead us and guide us contrary to your word. So, Father, I pray that we will make sure we're in your word. We'll make sure that we're spending time in prayer. Father, I pray that you will stir our hearts, that if we're here as believers this morning, Lord, that we would get involved in a Bible study class if we're not already in Sunday school, to get involved in Sunday school, to seek out one of these teachers, Lord, and to, and to get to their class and to learn more about your word, more of your truth. And Father, I pray that you will use your word through the power of the Holy Spirit within us to speak to us, to, to help us to grow up and to mature in our faith with you. And Father, I pray that your blessings will be upon every person who's here this morning as a believer as they begin that process of growing closer to you moment by moment, day by day. But Lord, there may be some people who are here this morning, or there may be some people who are online who are watching who they've never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And they've heard the message that God loves them too. And that they are not beyond your reach. That you love them so much, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them. To forgive them of their sins. So Father, help them to call out to you. Asking and seeking your forgiveness. Repenting of their sin and turning to follow you. And may you come into their heart and their life and save them. And help them to live for you all the days of their life. Lord, bless this invitation. May you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, will you make your way and come this morning as the Lord lays on your heart. Number 302, I hear the voice.
be seated for just a moment. Ms. Donna Weber here is coming this morning. Uh, she has been coming, we talked earlier this week, uh, she's been coming, I think, about a Sunday or two before I, I started preaching here. Uh, but she has finally felt the Lord leading in her heart to come and to join our fellowship here. Uh, and we're so excited for her decision. If you're excited for her decision to come and join our fellowship this morning, would you just say a loud amen? Amen. Amen. We're so excited for you, Miss Donna. And we'll, we'll have you sit, sit there. And then after we hear the announcements, we'll ask her to come back up. And you come by and, and shake her hand and let her know how glad you are for her decision. Brother Johnny, if you'll come and share our announcements. Good morning. Just a quick reminder. We still have ornaments on our Christmas and August tree. We'd appreciate it if you'd stop by and take an ornament with you to a little shopping this week. We're encouraging those um, that, that can and will to contribute school supplies that we can pack later on in November for our Operation Christmas Child Boxes. But we'd really like to have some wow items. And if you're not sure what that means, grab an ornament and bring it back to our box. We'd certainly appreciate it during Christmas in August. Thanks. Linda asked me to read this announcement. It goes as follows. Thank you for those who have volunteered for Awana. We are praying for additional volunteers needed to have Awana this year. Sign-up sheets are on the bulletin board next to the pastor's office. So that would be a matter of prayer for Miss Linda. I call your attention now to just two things in your bulletin. One would be the deacons meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock. And then would you please be in prayer for the deacons annual election be August the 20th through the 27th. This is an opportunity for the congregation, you the congregation, to choose four men that you would like to serve as deacons for the next three years. That will be August the 20th through the 27th. And then one announcement from the Buildings and Grounds Committee. Hopefully, and I say hopefully, the, the pews is possible that they may be returned the week of the 21st. Uh, that is a possibility. But whether or not they're returned on the week of the 21st or the next week or the next week, time is drawing closer for them to be back. And the Buildings and Grants Committee has looked at the possibility or the feasibility of what to do with the 12 pews that we will be no longer needed in here. And the thought is that <clears throat> the first priority might be if we can use them somewhere else in the church, and hopefully that will come to be. So the Buildings and Graduate Committee is asking the Sunday school teachers and Sunday school classes to examine your room, and if you think you've got room for one of these, let Miss Ella or Jimmy know, and we'll put it on the list, okay? The second possibility is if, the, if there's any pews left over that members of the church, individuals, could add their name to a list that if they, if they would like to, for one of these pews to be given to them, that there's another possibility if there's any pews left over. And then third, these are just ideas. If there are still any pews left over, we might ask their sister churches, the smaller churches, if they have need for uh, additional pews, you know. So 
three possibilities, three, three, three chances there, but hopefully they will all be used in-house here. And two prayer concerns I need to share with you. Sandra Wells continues to have health issues, so we certainly need to remember Sandra each week. And J.W. Jackson is in Vanderbilt having health problems. We need to remember him. I don't see anything else right now. Does anyone else have any announcements? Okay, Brian. Don Nelson. We'll certainly add him to their list to remember him. Any anyone else? Yes, ma'am. I'm gonna have to let Pat or refer this and what knows that. You wanna step over here, Pat, so they can hear you. Actually, the simulcast is the last uh, Saturday in August, but we've chose to move it back in September and hope all the chairs and everything will be back. It will be, we do it in the fellowship hall and we uh, bring it in through the internet through live streaming and we can show it up to 30 days. So we've chosen a day in September to show that. Uh, there's no charge for it. The lunch will be provided, but everything will be in the fellowship hall. We just need a number so we know how many to plan for to let Lifeway know that we're using. It starts at, the, I think the simulcast starts at 9 and goes to 3.30. And there's about an, about an hour, do what? Uh-huh, it it's a women's, Priscilla Shire, and it's a women's uh, simulcast. And there's about an hour lunch break, maybe, something like that, but we'll have lunch back there and everything. We're so happy for your decision this morning. Anyone else have anything? If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pardon? Thank you. I, I couldn't quite hear her name. Uh, Ellen Mann. Ellen Mann. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we just humbly come to you in prayer at the close of this service this morning, thanking you once again for this Lord's Day and for all the many, many blessings. We just thank you for each person here this morning and we just thank you for sharing your everlasting love, mercy, and grace with each one of us and giving us a special freedom of being in your house this morning to worship you, Heavenly Father. May we lift up our many prayer concerns to you, Heavenly Father, that we have shared and those that we may hold in our heart. And as we lift these up, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so very, very much for the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer, and for you hearing our prayers. For it is in Christ's holy name we do pray. Amen.